Hello and welcome to you all. I'm your host, Soul Lovemore, and this is Can I Get a Picture? Join me every episode as I get to pick the brains of some extraordinary people, hearing their struggles and successes that have shaped who they are today. Today we're talking to Demi Dezue, a former Dutch professional footballer who achieved his dream of playing for Ajax and represented his country at the 2010 World Cup. After football, he built and co-owns e-commerce and lifestyle brand Borla and hugely successful Instagram pages 433, Borla, Hotels, Amsterdam and Wannahaz. I was introduced to Demi by a mutual friend and instantly became a fan of his work. He's a modern day storyteller. I hope you enjoy our conversation and gain some valuable insights from a true innovator. Demi, first and foremost, thanks again for coming on today. And as I said, really, uh, this episode is about looking at your journey from your early life to your football career and the transition from obviously football into entrepreneurship, where you are today, and yeah, how you kind of see yourself progressing through the future. So I really wanted to start with your early life. Where were you born and raised would be my first question for you. Yeah, I was born in uh, Apeldoorn, a small town in Holland. And when I was born, I my mother was 16 years old when she got me. So I was really, uh, yeah, not the typical you you have uh, your parents a relationship and you'll be born like a like a, a happy happy kid so i was from the the day i born i was uh my mother and my da- dad sent me to another yeah, another family where i lived five years then my father take me back and from that start yeah i had a a normal life from the be- the beginning was not really well and yeah that time everything was about football the rest of my life and I have two uh, brothers. They are not into football, but uh, yeah, now I'm a I'm a dad myself with two kids. I I really want to do it different than my my parents did it, and I think I I succeed succeed in that. But it's uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard uh, to to be born, and you know you're not really. Uh, how I say you are the, the feeling you're not really welcome on this world. That was a feeling I had a long, long time. And uh, yeah, I think the last five, six years when I got my own children, I can have a little bit more peace in it. That it's not really easy to get ch- children and to be there for them every time. And so I, I don't really say I really uh, uh, happy with it, but I, I feel sort of peace now, and it's yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a different feeling that you're you you come in this world and you're not really supposed to be here. Is it was an accident, and that is something I uh, yeah. I always in my life I I want to do everything by myself. So if now when I'm a businessman, I do everything by myself, and if I don't can do it by myself, I find help from someone else. But for me, I always want to be. I want to do everything by myself and that's something uh, that always bring me further in, in life in business and because i always uh yeah i always take new limits new dreams new goals and that's that's something where when people see me or speak to me yeah you're always renewing you always do something new and that's something yeah i think it's constant because the way i born i always want to do by myself and if you do something by yourself a long time it gets boring you're gonna 
take it to the next step. And yeah, that's what I always try to do. That's amazing because, as you said, touching on that, um, just having that from a young age, that accountability, and, and as you said, understanding that no one's going to do it for you. You have to, you know, you have to go out there and really make things happen for yourself. And I guess in a way, although I can understand how you felt, um, you know, feeling like you you didn't belong, but it also, I think it, it, it really built your character as a person. Just hearing you speak, I can hear the passion, the passion in your voice. Yeah, I think if you, uh, yeah, you have sometimes uh, music artists and you, they have something like a fire in their voice or in the attitude and it comes from someone, something in the youth. It's always something in the youth that, that makes the impact why they're the person they are now. And you see it in every docu about sport players or businessmen. There's always something that brings the fire in them. And I think with me, it's something... Yeah, what what happened in the in the past with my parents and when I was born, and I always feel like okay, that's something I cannot forgive. And the person I am now today is because of that, and I am now happy with that. Yeah, for sure. It's about, as you said, turning it turning a negative into a positive. I think it's a it's a great way. I'm sure it took you a while to get to that place, but I think it's a it's a great way to look at life. Is you know. Every every dark cloud in we have a saying that's every dark cloud has a silver lining, a silver lining, right? And you're kind of living proof of that. You know that situation seems very very difficult. I couldn't I couldn't even say oh I can relate because I'd be lying, but I can imagine it must have been a very very tough challenge to then you know deal with that personally and you know go on to everything you've achieved in life. And I wanted to ask you, so when did you first realize you could make? A career at a football i think when i was 12 years old i was playing uh in a small town in uh, in my hometown and i was asked for uh ajax amsterdam i could play there i could play to uh, vitesse arnhem to uh, goat eagles a town close to me that was that time a bigger club than they are now and then I, then i knew i was better than the rest of my teammates and i was really really small i think uh, one meter 20 or 30 really small and everybody, how, how can this kid play football so good? And yeah, and they also had, had doubt if I could make it to professional football because I was so small and so, yeah, so such a small kid. But then I was going to Ajax for trainings, trainings, and there were 1,200 kids. And I was the only with two other guys that say, okay, we can go to Ajax. And But then I supposed to uh, move to Amsterdam and I supposed to stay in an other family. And I say to my dad, I don't want to be uh, away from my family again i want to stay here and better i go to play for a small team and ajax amsterdam will come one day and that was always my dream okay i know i i can make it to the level of the ajax youth so i can make it to the first team also and so that was also always my my goal to play for ajax amsterdam and it took me i think 15 years later i made the transfer to ajax amsterdam and i played there for for two years and so it was always my goal to play for for that team and yeah then 15 years later i i made it to the dream amazing so during during obviously this journey as you said of, of finding finding your talents in football and, and knowing that this is something you could do at the very high level but during that time did you have what was your schooling like in terms of education did you is that an area you you went through or how, how did that work out for you yeah, I was I was to school on when I was still 16 years old and I was always into the business side of school and 
at that time I was uh, playing football and go to school, just a normal school. And most of the kids go to the school of the football uh, clubs. But I stay at my own school. And yeah, I always want, I always know I, I, sh I, I will make it in professional football. It was easy to say now, but I always had the dream, okay, my, my time will come. And on school, I will, I always did my, my thing, but I was not really uh, a really good kid, but I always listen. I always come on time. I never skip lessons. So I always did the things I need to do. But after that, it was only football. And yeah, I think in that time, I was really a shy kid also because of all everything what happened in my life. But in, in football, it was really my passion and I can do everything I want. And yeah, I think the school time was good. And yeah, I think you need it for some, yeah, some lessons or structure. And but yeah, for me, always football was everything. I was always with a ball everywhere. With football, how did that give you discipline? Because I can imagine in football, you had a, a very strict routine, you know, in terms of your training and how you lived and the things you did probably in your in your hobbies and your, you know, extracurricular activities. So what would you say football gave you in terms of just like life skills, habits, routine? Yeah, I think in football, you're always... Time, time is something really, really different in football. It's always about time. The the 90 minutes in a game or be on time. If you come too late for a training, you have to sit on the bench. And always everything is about time. And the timing also gives you structure. If you know, okay, I wake up every day 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 8 or 7, it gives you structure in your day. And if you do that always, you get always a, a structure. And if you're coming to the professional level and you have a, a training camp, you know, okay, eight o'clock, you have to wake up, nine o'clock, you have to have breakfast, 10 o'clock, you have to be in the bus, uh, 10.30, you have to go to the training field, 11, 11.30, you're finished, 12 o'clock lunch, etc. Every day, you know, okay, this is my structure, this is my timing. And that is really important when you're a football player, but now when I do in business, I don't really like the timing. I always do what I like. I go, if I want to bring my kids to school, I do that. If I have an appointment, okay, I come, but if it comes, can be later or it's really free. I would say the structure is now the same as, as this football, but in the company, we have a really clear structure. But as a person, I think if you're creative, you need to have space. You need to... Not always be on time. Deadlines, of course, I have deadlines, but not so many as as the people in the office. Yeah, no, for sure. And I can imagine, as you said there, the, the creativity element, you're right, that you, you obviously need the room because it's tough to be regimented and have, you know, looking at, you know, we'll, obviously we'll fast forward a bit here with the baller brand, what you've created, the identity. I can imagine you need that, you know, that creative freedom to be able to arrive where you have there's nothing more bad for a creative person to put a time limit on it because then it will be uh i say it will be more and uh yeah it's difficult to say if you have a creative person and you say okay go make something you will make something great but if you say you make something in one hour it get mostly not what he like and that's really important if you have a creative person give him time and yeah don't don't rush on them and I have the same now when I'm creative. I've or we have a campaign for 43, or we have a new collection for Baller. You always need time to think about things, and the more time you have, the better it be. And I always compare it with painting. If you paint something, 
the more time you have, the, the better the painting. But if you do it fast, you get a small and uh, ugly paint. Yeah, no, I hear you. And would you say as well within, um, I mean, football is a very, uh, as, as we know, it's a very structured sport, especially when you go into the professional levels. It's super, super organized and everything is done, as you said, um, to the clock. Would you say in your in your approach today as an entrepreneur within all your businesses, would you say your strategy, your planning, timing? I know obviously, as you said, there is an element of, of creative freedom, but how, how would you see kind of like the parallels between, again, going back to your football days to now, how have you adjusted to build almost your own your own strategy and your own plan and vision to execute on, you know, your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I think I have now a really good team around me and if we I have a good CEO, a good CFO, etc. And now they give me the time to to think about okay, how are you gonna bring the brand to the next level? And I think it's the same with Messi. Messi don't have any jobs in the team, just to be messy and do the thing you like. And the rest of the team, they make sure that, that he can do everything. And I think in the in our team it's the same. Me and my partners, we, we do this we do everything we want because we want to bring the, the brand further. And the rest of the team make sure we can do that. And that's really, I think that's the most important part of, of being in a business. The creative part and, and the part where the sales come in. Because if you have not any sales, you don't have a business. Yeah, no, for sure. And I love the messy analogy because I think a lot of football fans will understand that straight away. You know, yeah. <laughs> and um, I really appreciate that, um, that point. And I wanted to go back actually to your football career a little bit you spoke obviously about your dream being to play for Ajax you achieved that after 15 years what would you say is a, a career highlight in your club career we'll touch on your international career as well but what would you say was the highlight in your in your club career that will live with you maybe a, a story or a moment or um, the club career I think the, the the title I won with Ajax also because it was really a dream to play for Ajax and if you make it to a title it's yeah it's the most yeah, the most highest thing which you can get in Holland. But I think the really the highlight was with the national team when I play in South Africa. And I play in the semi-final against Uruguay. But that time, I think after 35, 40 minutes, I get a kick in my face. And always when people ask me, what's your highlight and what's the, 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 the baddest thing in football? I always say that game because I play on the semi-final of a World Cup and I get kicked out of the game. And after that moment, I think my career went really down. And it's, yeah, I always say, okay, this is the highlight and also the, yeah, the best thing uh, in my life. And, but on the club career, I think the title I won with Ajax was, uh, yeah, was, was really, really, really nice because they didn't win champion for a long, long time. And yeah, the whole climax of that game, I never felt so, yeah, so much in one game, and I think when you speak to the to the fans in Holland and the Ajax supporters, they will say this game this game was the craziest uh, of all time. And who would you say is the best player you've ever played with? Who would you say, hands down, you've never seen a footballer that good? Uh, oh, I play with a lot. <laughs> Give me one. If I have to say one, I think Wesley Schneider was really from another level. Just the the. Yeah, he, he he can play with right and left feet. And I know I was playing in the youth against him and he played a corner kick from the right side with his right leg and from the left side with his left leg. And I was thinking a couple minutes after, I said, did he really do that with his second, with a different game? 
And then the, another goal kick and the uh, corner kick. He did the same. I said, "What the fuck, man! This guy is 14 years old and he and he can play both feet." And that was the moment I played it. This is really within the next level. And when I was playing at as at Alkmaar and I go to the national team for the first time, he was there with Van der Vaart, Van Persie, Robin, and I thought, "How can I play with these guys? They are so good." And after a couple of training, it gets better and better. And then uh, Clarence Seidoff come also in into the team. And I thought, whoa, man, this guy is really the legend. And yeah, he was also so, so good and so strong. And But for me, Snyder is really, uh, I think, the best. I also play with Suarez, but he was more, yeah. You know, he was good in goal scoring, but just in, in playing football and so, he was also really good. But yeah, there were more better players that time. Eriksen, I played also. He was more in position game. They were really good. But Suarez, in finishing goals, it was crazy. It was really crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. But as you said, Wesley Snyder, I remember watching him when he was at, um, at Tottenham. Was it? No, actually, no. No, no. Get, no, no that's, Van der, that's Van der Vaart, sorry. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, t- I take that back. But I remember yeah. Wesley Snyder, we tried to... He was at Inter Milan, no? Am I, yeah. am I correct in saying that? Yeah, and yeah, we tried yeah. to sign him at um, Man United as well. Unfortunately, he never came. But that's another one we'll, we'll always regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you spoke of your the moment in the uh, World Cup semi-final. Obviously, you get this serious injury, which then uh, leads to, as you said, that's kind of when you you start to see your career declining in football. And I guess in that in that period of time, you're going through this serious injury. You're working obviously to get fit to recover again. Would you say that's when you started to look at? The entrepreneurship side of things or oh, how was your mind frame in that time yeah that time before the kick i was i think on my best when i was ever was with football and after the kick i felt there i was not that that good anymore i feel by myself the, i would get a little bit slower i was a little bit more scared to go in the one-on-one with players and so i felt okay What's next? What if I stop with football? What am I going to do then? And that really scares me But I because I didn't have any idea. Because I thought, okay, I'm going to play for eight, nine years and maybe till 36 or 37 I will play and then I will finish. I have enough money to, to go on Ibiza and stay there the rest of my life. And after the kick, I felt, okay, what am I going to do with my life after maybe two years or three years? I don't get any club. What am I going to do then? And then I started learning about uh, entrepreneurship. I'm gonna read books. I read blogs about uh, other guys in business, and then I met my two partners that now are my partners. And I said, okay, I want to do something with football players, and I don't know really what, but really I want to to take the lives of a football player. And for example, if I go to London, I call you now. But normally, if you go to London and you look at TripAdvisor, you don't know where to stay, what are the good restaurants, or the good shops. And that was something really I wanted to know because I go to London or I go to Milan or to Dubai, where I have to go. So that was where I think, okay, let me put the, the luxury life of a football player into a brand. And I think, yeah, that's what really Baller is today. We're really yeah, about the luxury life of a football player. And it's about where he sleeps when he goes to London, where he, where he, go, where he eats when he's in London or sample. Really what we had together with, when when I text you, I want to go to do this and this, and I want to have a table, and it's not okay. Who am I gonna call? And now I know I'm gonna go so, and you fix it for me. But that that was really like five six years ago. There was nobody that does it. Yeah, for sure. I've, I, it's it's the, exactly that, and I think 
looking at it from, as you said, from the footballer's perspective, A, I think it's a trust element as well. You know, like how we met through, obviously, Akin making the introduction. It must have, for you, puts you at ease because you go, okay, I know Akin's not going to put me in touch with anyone who's not trustworthy because at, at a footballer's level, you're at such a, a high level, you're very well paid. You know, there's a security piece where you think you can't just communicate with anyone because who do you trust? So I think you're right that... Yeah, because money is not the issue with football players, but the connections that you have to have. And that's always what I say also to my my employers. It's not about the money we make with this deal, but the connection, what we get with the with them. And if it's long term, it always brings the money. But the relationships are really, really more important. And I think that's when you, when you travel a lot, you meet a lot of people and yeah... You don't have to be shy to ask for numbers or emails or just make a relationship. Because when I go to London, I get so many guys ask me, yeah, Demi, uh, if I go to London, where I have to be? Uh, what need I do to, where I have to go? Uh, I want to eat there, but there's a true waiting waiting list. Who has to call? And now I can say, okay, call Saul and he will take care of you. And I think that's, yeah, that's something that is... It's really to understand if you're not in a in a in a level where you're a football player or for like a big pop star or something, you cannot go anywhere. Just go and think, oh, people know me because in London there are, in the same restaurant there are ten guys. They're more bigger, they have more money, etc. But it's about the relationship. And I appreciate you saying that because I always say to people who ask me, people think you know access to to these restaurants and these places, whether it be members clubs like Annabelle's, they think it's so straightforward that if they're wealthy, they call you and they just say, hey guys, we want to have access to this. And because they've got the money, they get in. And I always have to explain, look, for me to build my business and to build my personal brand, this is, I'm 31 now. This has probably taken me since I was 18 to get into this position where where I have the relationships and the contacts to be able to make a phone call and say, hey, look, I need a table at Amazonico 8, 8.30 p.m. in the restaurant. I want the best table in the house. And they do it. But that's taken me a decade to build those relationships. And as you rightly said about people don't understand the importance of get to know people, not just collecting numbers, actually build a rapport because it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long, long time to get access to these things and for people to respect you enough to go, as you rightly said, for me to be able to make that phone call for you at Baller, if you're working with a brand and negotiating deals that you work with long term, I'm sure it's taken you a very long time to establish global partnerships and work with these people until the end of time. Yeah, yeah, but it's the same with DJs. They say, oh, DJs get paid so much, but they're from the 50, you pay them for the 15 years they're already working on this song. Yeah. The, the experience they got, etc. It's not only this one hour you're, you're, you're going to party for this DJ, but it's this whole experience for 15 years where you do all the work alone on this room, etc. There you pay for it, and not only this one hour. And people forget that everything you do, every business, there is a lot of time in it. And of course, there's some business, some guys open something or do something and it's a big hit. But in this age with social media, big hits don't understand anymore. I think everything you see now is well planned and well, well planned or well uh, with a lot of uh, financial goods. Yeah, the, the, I agree with you that the landscape has changed. And I think because of social media as well, people can kind of snuff out the BS a lot quicker now. You know, if you if you put something out there and, and it's not really, you know, it's not well thought out. You don't, you, you know, in one second, you know, is it real or is it fake? <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's, that's one, one second, you know it, this is a real brand or it's a fake brand or 
this influencer does fake shit or real shit. You know it in one one second. You know it. And now with this uh, with this corona, you're gonna see that all the guys that did fake things, uh, fake private jets, etc., they will have really problems. You know, see the real brands, the authentic brands, the the people that are real, they have a really relationship with their followers or the brands. They stand out, and the other ones, they're really yeah, they really have a problem. And I think in always in times of crisis, the bad ones they always go the first one. They will be the will hit the hardest now for sure and i think as you rightly said it, it this um this pandemic has shown as you said that importance of a authenticity and b i think storytelling and I, and you really excel for me you're a modern day storyteller because not only with Borla, with 433 with wanna haves with hotels all the you know the the instagram accounts you've built and the baller brand, you can you can see there's always a narrative to your message. I saw you did some stuff. I think it was with Watch Anish. You know when you did the kick up or yes. uh, the kick ups on top of the G wagon, and you know I was just kind of when I was researching, just looking at all the stuff you've done. You can really see that everything you put out there and all the content is very strategic and thought out. So what what um what advice would you give on that in terms of authenticity and storytelling? Like how have you managed to put yourself in the position you are today? Uh, I think I do everything I like by myself because if you see baller, baller is really fashion and lifestyle, and that's what I like really. I always love fashion, and uh, 43 is really football, so I have a really, yeah, of course, a lot of football uh, in, in me. And with One Apps, and we do more a lot of digital things, so like social media, and I'm 24/7 on social media, so I know a lot of things. And so all the three brands I have and some other accounts are really things that I really like. And if, if now guys are listening, I think you have to really understand what you like and what you don't like. And if you know what you like, you're going to build a um, business around it. And I think it's not really easy, but people are thinking too much. Okay, what I have to do? And then they're going to do some things because it, it paid well. But in the end, if it paid well and you don't, don't like it, it's done a nice job. And that's always what I say when guys come work for me. I say, with us, you don't get the highest salary, but you get a lot of freedom to find out what you like, and you, you get a lot of responsibility to to do the things we want you to do. But of course, it's always your personal touch. And if you can get two hundred euros more to uh, to another brand, go work there because we are really into uh, making a team of you, and make from all the employees make their own uh, business guys because when they are seeing their work as their own business, they work twice as hard because, yeah, they feel more responsible. They like it more. And I think in the last six years, I've seen guys that I hired, they, I, I saw them on social media. They make or good content or they were uh, good in social media or in photography or in camera work. And now they just work for us and they work really like it's their own brand. And I know when one day they will go work for themselves and I, then I will be fine. I say, okay, you have learned a lot and now go go work for yourself. And I lose an employer, but there will a new one will come and we do the same same things with him again. And and that's I think that's the most important. If you build a brand, make sure you make all your employees ambassadors and make their own entrepreneurs. Give them a lot of responsibility to, to do their job. And don't say every day, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that, because they get crazy and creative guys will be crazy the first, the first ones.
Yeah, and I think there's um there's a book also I read which really supports everything you've just spoken about. It's called Super Bosses by Sidney Finkelstein. And it's all about being, you know, that your company, as you said, Baller, it's almost like a breeding ground for talent. You you employ these guys, you give them the creative freedom, you help them grow, you help them understand the business and learn that one day they'll go on and they'll start their own companies and grow their own version of Baller and whatever. And I think it's it's the, it's a great way to look at, you know, in terms of a company culture and, and to look at growing your own business is exactly that. Because sometimes people fear that, oh, if we let someone into our company, they're going to learn what makes us baller and steal it and go and replicate it. But the reality is baller will never be replicated, in my opinion, because baller is you. Unless someone can tap into your brain and steal your mind, they'll never be able to come along and create what you've created or achieved. No, that's true. And now with 4.3, I'm uh, working now to make a book, an e-book also about the company, how we did it. And a lot of time when we talk with clients for big companies and then we we have sometimes a discussion. We need to tell this, or we we better keep it for ourselves. And I always say, just tell them because when they walk out of the door, they always forgot. <laughs> and if they don't forget, they don't know how to do it because it looks easy, but all the things you do is really a process. And this, yeah, I'm not never be be so difficult to share my knowledge or something because everybody will do it in their own way. And that's yeah, you don't have to be be shy to to tell your story because if you tell your story people will like you because you said it and what i said last week i did a podcast and everybody always thought about me oh yeah he made the brand with this with his money with he earned in football and he, he's an arrogant guy and now they see the podcast i tell my real story like i told you today and they said oh what a good guy and i want to be like him and etc and I said, just be yourself and everything will be fine. And trust the process. If you build a business or you build your own brand, make sure you, you take the time for it because you don't going to make a lot of money in one year or two years or three years. It takes you at least five years to build something where you can live from and you're really happy with it. And I always said, we never, like for 43, we are now the number one in in Instagram and in social media, etc. But from day one, the focus was never to get money. I always said, I want to be the biggest in the world. And now six years later, we are the biggest. And if someone tells me, yeah, when I start, I want to sell it for 10 million in five years, it, we will never be the same like we are now today. And I think if your focus is growing, growing yourself and your brand, money doesn't exist in that. Of course, you need money to, to, to pay your house or to go on holiday. But the real money comes if you pay build a brand that takes for years. I'm one in the same with you that I think money is not the goal, but it's the byproduct of the success and the journey because most people look at the end goal, like you said, right? The house, the cars, the holidays, the, the all the fancy stuff. But actually, it's we all need to fall in love with the process, which is what you've done. As you said, it's taken you six years to build 433. And now it is the biggest, you know, in terms of football page on Instagram. And it just shows because your focus wasn't, let's build this page, sell it and make some money. It was, no, no, let's build the biggest page. And six years later, you're here. And if and now financially, of course, you'll be rewarded for that because that wasn't the goal. And I, I'm totally with you that if you remove the money, it gives you focused and a purpose but when you're focused on making money you start to make decisions that ultimately hinder the 
overall success because it's like, oh, actually that company's come in, they want to give us 100 grand. Do we take it or not? And I'm sure you've been offered deals along the way with 433. And- I, I, I will show you a good, good, good example. You have this guy, this, uh, I don't know, this social media guy, that he owns the sport business. It was sport on Instagram. They were always the biggest than us. They had like 12 million followers and we had 8 million. And then the account get hacked and one week later, Sport was the owner of the account. And from that time, he changed the name to Football Sport to Sport. And from that time, they start losing followers a lot. And we grow, we grow, we grow. And now we are way bigger than them. And they are nothing anymore. And that was, you saw the company was making money. A lot of ads, a lot of paid content. And now the company is, yeah, I don't know why. I didn't look uh, for weeks, but they're now really down. And that was, they had 4 million followers more than us. They did the same thing as us. And then when they think about money and money comes the overhand, they, the, career, the, the company was dead. And I think that was always my, my lesson. Okay, we don't need the money now. Just focus on being the biggest and then the money will, one day it will come. And the funny thing is now that we are bigger, the, where you have more legal parts, you have bigger campaigns, the process is getting harder. You say if you're creative and it goes more about context, about legal, about money. The funny things with when you're younger and the money and etc. We did a lot of ads. There was more. The person was really nicer. And now you go to the next level of your company that you grow and every part you have to be to be sure it is all right, legal, legally right. It's become more, yeah, more hard. I think like if you have corporate companies or you have smaller companies, if you have a corporate company, it's really the fun part you always miss. If you're like for a big bank work or you're big, big government company, it's really different mentality in the company. And I think everything takes much more longer. And I was last time I was in New York and I was in a meeting with the, the head of Instagram and Facebook. And there was one guy from Nike. And he, to- he told me, uh, if Nike posts something, 12 brand managers have to look at the post if it's all right or not. And wow. with 4 to 3, if we like it, three guys say yes, we post it in five minutes. And there, 12 managers have to decide if this post is good or not. So the fun part of the post and the, the momentum to post, if something really good happens in a game, for example, Ronaldo scores six goals, they have to decide, oh, okay, uh, Ronaldo, we're going to post this, yes. And two days later, they're going to post it. And we go post it direct at the same time. And yeah, there you see that small companies, or if you start alone a brand or a company, you always can beat the big companies because there everything takes more time, it's longer. Uh, and that's why companies as us, new ones, can, yeah, can grow really fast. It's because you guys are more agile. You know, you can kind of do things on the spot rather than having to, as you said, having to sign off or multiple because 12 managers to sign off one piece of content, as you as you said, it seems very excessive and very time consuming to sit every time to go, right, because it's hard enough to get two people to, you know, two people to agree to anything, let alone getting a table of 12 people to, to agree on this one idea. So, yeah, no, for sure, I, I think that's a that's a good. Um... This year, I was with uh, Puma and Griezmann, we had a uh, photo shoot in Barcelona, and uh, we they said to us, "Okay, Griezmann have to do uh, uh, a photo shoot for Puma." They have, he had two outfits, and then he had one hour for Baller to do a shoot also with him, and also for 43. 
we said, okay, no problem. I, I just, me, my camera guy, and uh, one guy who make the pictures. And we're only with three of us. We go there and we sit and we're waiting for Griezmann. And there they had a really big studio with food trucks, uh, visa she like 30 guys were there to make his uh, photo shoots. And we say, what the fuck? Why they have so many people, man? And then, okay, he was really, uh, yeah, I say, he, he always did the pictures. And then he came to us and said, hey, guys. Uh, we, I said, okay, we're going to make some funny shots, some good shots, not too long. And then we, uh, we have enough. So we make the pictures and then we post, we make the photos and we send to Puma. And Puma posted on the social. And it was the best performing post on Puma ever. Wow. And then I said, okay, why you need so many guys to have all this light and et cetera. And we do come with three guys and we make the best performing post ever. And then they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we know, we now understand, but we cannot take the risk that the quality is not good, et cetera. And we say, okay. So now we get a lot of deals for, yeah, for brands to, to make the photo shoots. And we talk with the, the guys behind the Messi store because Messi, when they did a photo shoot, they come also with, with 30 guys with a food truck. And I say, I do, if I do a photo shoot with Messi, I come max with five people. And we do the same that that guy do with 30 people. So it costs you less and we get you better pictures. And that's why if, if, you're, if you're a young company, you can always beat the big companies if you're faster, smarter, and you have your own identity. And that's, I think, really important if you now want to build your brand or your social brand or uh, your content company or media company. If you are your own identity and you really stand behind your, your your philosophy, then yeah, you can always beat the big guys. And as you said, it's about almost carving carving out your own lane and redefining an industry that's you know it's almost being a disruptor. Yeah, you you have, you have to create your own niche, and I think Watch Anis is a really good example because before him, social pictures were really bad and he he brings the lamborghini the girls etc and everybody thought what the fuck what is this guy doing and now he's everybody knows who's watch anis in the in the watch industry yeah he did it in such a different way didn't he because before the watch industry was much more formal and then he came with this new crazy interesting approach where you just wanted to see what he would do next you know and even what you, even the piece you did with him was quite cool. You know, it's just it's outside the box thinking and and re. It's constantly, as you said, the the challenge is to constantly reinvent yourself and to have the speed and agility to get it done almost yesterday because that's what social media is about, right? It's about everything happens in almost in real time. It's Ronaldo scores a bicycle kick and you go, wow, incredible! You're watching a game, but then for people who don't have access to that channel. On your 433 page, you know, the goal's up there in the next, you know, minute, it, within minutes, it's, that's the world we live in now. Yeah, it's, everything has gone really, really faster. And I think that's only be faster. Internet will be much more important, like television. Who watch television now? We watch Netflix on television, but maybe sports games, live games, you watch, but programs, I never watch. My, my daughter, six years, she never watched television. They only watch Netflix. <laughs> and I think, yeah, internet will be much more important. Now, for sure. So how did, um, and I've, I've been meaning to ask you this, the, um, the baller yacht, how did, how did this come about and how did you end up 
you know, getting involved with that. I thought that was the, when I saw it first, I thought, I wonder if it's attached to the brand and I actually did more research. And I thought, oh, actually, yeah, it is, it is a part of the, the company. Yeah, I always go to Ibiza every year already, uh, many, many years. And always when I'm there, I went about with one guy. And when I was there, uh, other football players or other guys asked me, yeah, I want to rent a boat where I have to be. And I always give this guy his number. And one day I was sitting on the on the boat, on Ibiza, and I thought, what if I make my own boat? I brand it really well. I give everyone who rented a free T-shirt of baller, really big baller on the front. And I just went it out like this guy also doing. And only if guys asked me, I said, okay, this is my own boat. Why I should give uh, this guy the, all, all the clients? So I did it. And the first year we were fully booked the whole year. And next year also. And now the third year also. Now with the corona, it's a little bit less because we cannot go to Ibiza. But yeah, now it's a really good, uh, yeah, re- really good profit of the, of the yacht. And it's good branding. Everybody always talks about the Rolex, uh, the baller Rolex or the baller yacht or the Bentley we did or the, the Mini or the Porsche. And yeah, we did a lot of crazy things. And now we're really into a big fila to make a really fila into baller. So that's the, the next thing. <laughs> now, I love it because everything you seem to do is connected to to who you are. And I think it's such an important, it's an important thing to see that, you know, everything you have gone on to do after football is an extension of Demi, the person, as you going back to your point earlier about knowing what you like and what you don't like, it, it seems like all of them are just your tastes and your interests, which you then put out in the world in, in, in business form, I guess. Yes, yes. And that's what really what I do. And what I say, I, I always said I want to have my own baller hotel. And I think I can, one day I can have a baller hotel because the brand, the identity we have, we can make a baller and people will believe that it's really a, a brand. I think that's what we created. That I want really something. Everything I do has to be baller. It could be baller. And because a football player is just a normal guy that also go to the toilet and to to the shopping, to the hotels, to the private jets, etc. And yeah. And I think everything a football player touched when he step off the pitch could be baller. And that's what we created. And that's what we will go further every time further. Now we have the yacht and I have now a really up apartment of 60 square feet in Holland. We made with a, yeah, with a company and then the whole apartment is baller branded. The couch, the bed, uh, everything is branded and yeah, people can buy the whole concept. And now because we did it for like uh, uh, property guys, now hotels ask us, yeah, we have an... Uh, uh, a suite we don't know what to do can you make maybe a, make a baller suite from it so and if we have a baller suite maybe we have five six seven eight suites on the world we have our own hotel but it's not on one place but we have an hotel with 10 rooms so that's something i i'm now thinking about okay let's create an a virtual hotel not on one place but like everywhere we, like a little bit like so house only they have really an hotel but i could have like a baller house everywhere in the world one apartment in in a hotel yeah and i think that will be an, a, a crazy concept because people as you said when they go to when they're traveling is you always want somewhere that feels like home and actually mentioning so house is a perfect example they nailed that by you know putting a so house on every corner of the planet because wherever you go you feel like you're at home because so house around the world 
it's pretty much the same concept. The menus are different and this, that and the other, but you still feel, you still get that sense of home feeling. So yeah, I think that would be a, a brilliant way to grow the um, the baller brand for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot of <laughs> a lot of time, but I don't really have the time to really focus on it now. But I think with yeah, if the concept is really, really clear, we can really go into hotels because I own also the, the account name hotels on Instagram. And now with Instagram e-commerce were coming up, you will see that you can like all the influence, they, they make the best pictures in all the hotels, but you cannot book it. And I think in maybe five, six months, if an influencer go to a hotel, you can direct book it from their page and they get a commission of, of the hotel. And that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I think as well with this COVID situation, I actually wanted to ask you uh, what challenges you faced in terms of social media and your businesses and how you're, as you said, finding new ways to to not only drive revenue, but to keep, you know, to keep the business thriving. Yeah, with 4.3, it was a little bit difficult because we had the, the, the European Championship and we had a lot of brands and contests to, yeah, to work together to make really great campaigns. And then, yeah, we have to cancel everything. And I said, okay, let's then focus on really bringing into a lot of sales in Baller. So we start promoting Baller a lot more than we did before. And I think maybe since one, two years ago, people know that we are one, one company. And before we always try to be a little bit separate, but I, then I was thinking why I just promoted really hard because yeah, it's my own company. Why I lose all the business in the 43 side and just push it in, on, into, into Baller. And that's what we do now more. And also with the other pages, we now promote Baller a lot more than before. And yeah, now with this Corona, it's, yeah, the, the, our stores were closed for uh, like five weeks and now they're really open. And yeah, in Holland, we don't have really a lot of problems, I think, anymore. But just, yeah, of course, the traffic is a little bit less, but not really, really bad. So it's okay. So would you say even with even with the COVID-19 situation, I know one of your ambitions you've, you've mentioned previously is um, having stores in like the key lifestyle cities around the world. You know, you've mentioned obviously the concept. Would you, even after the pandemic's happened, I'm sure like anything, it will come and go. Are you still going to adopt a similar strategy of the physical stores? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really the, yeah. Yeah, that's really the, still the focus to have a store in New York, in London, and in all the cities. But yeah, with this Corona, you have to be, yeah, you have to think a little bit different. And I know it's a couple of months, maybe it's, it will do uh, one year, but we start, okay, don't lose the money into Bala. Just focus on promoting Bala more and more e-commerce. And that went really well. And yeah, if this pandemic is over, we will start focusing more on the, the offline and open our own stores in London, in New York, in Milan, and yeah. But for that, you have to have a lot of money and that you can do to yeah, to find an investor or sell some shares or yeah, there and now we're looking at. But the, the most important part is that when, when we start Baller, I said, oh, I want to create a page. So we're not like, for example, now the crisis, we are not totally lo- loses our money. We need to have a, a channel where we can promote our yeah, our brand. And it was 43 at the time. And yeah, we didn't know, of course, when we started, it will be such a big channel with so many potential sales. So it was something we, when we started the brands, Ball and 43, we, we always said, okay, when something happens really bad, we have each other. And now you see it, okay, we have each other. And 
yeah, of course, you, nobody ever know that it will, this pandemic was so heavy. But yeah, the, the reason why I started Ball and 43 was to have to have control on if something happens like this. So you can say it's a good good choice. But at that time, it was just luck, and we hope the best. And yeah, now both brands really grow. Yeah, no, I mean, you've done a fantastic job to see, as, as you said on Instagram, how big all the accounts have come. Um, the last, last few questions I wanted to ask you is, number one is, how would you describe your management style? It's difficult. I think I just manage like I am talk to my friends. I'm not really a boss. I, I'm not always on the office. I always, yeah, how you say, I'm always really open to, like my other two partners are really more the managers and I'm just more one of them. I, I don't have my own office in the, in the office space. Uh, I just sit between everyone and if they say okay i damien we need money to do this photo shoot and uh, my other partner don't want to give it i said okay i will do it but don't tell him <laughs> and so, so i'm more just one of the employers and i always work if we are on a shoot location i just help with the bags i do everything and i'm not too big to help i just one of them and it's like when you're with football i'm always just one of them and like now when i'm I'm the boss. I, of course, I pay the salaries, but I, I want to be more like them. And I always act like that. I'm one of them. I just, I'm not bigger than them. And I think, yeah, if you are really boss and people want to like, it and you want to have people working a lot for you, they must feel they are one, one of you. You're one of the guys. And yeah, that I always, yeah, I always try to, to help. And if they're, they're, they have some problems with something, I always help them and yeah. No, for sure. And how would you and how would you say you balance your uh, your work and your life? You know, your personal life. As you mentioned, you've got two kids, and obviously you're married. So how do you how do you balance keeping the family happy? Yeah, now with this pandemic, I I, I would say I really love it because when I was uh, stopped playing football, I just go to work straight and I didn't stop. Of course, I go a lot of uh, on vacation, but I'm always on my phone. I'm always I say if someone ask me something i less than one hour i will re, uh, they give a reaction for me i'm always with my phone i'm always working and yeah so i i would not say i'm really always like off so like if some guys they go on holiday and they switch off the phone and you don't hear them but i'm always on and now with this pandemic i was like five six weeks really home and it felt great because i was seeing my my kids growing i was with my wife every day and yeah we had really fun time because before I was always gone and now I was home. I, yeah, I really like it. And yeah, now when the pandemic is a little bit over in Holland, we go a little bit more to, yeah, to work, to the office. And yeah, but I always, when there's so something with my kids, I want to be there. I just be there. Yeah? There's nothing more important than my family. And if it's a meeting, someone else do it, or I will call in or I will call later, or I will hear it the day after. But, there's for me nothing more important than my kids, so I always be there and I try to be there. But yeah, sometimes it's just uh, yeah, sometimes you have to you have to go, and they know. And but I, if I compare myself with a lot of other business owners, I think I'm the most home from everyone, and I'm yeah, I'm really happy that I'm home. I'm really happy with my life, with everything how it goes, and that is also because I'm home. I have a good relationship between work and home. And if you're only on work, yeah, for what you do it. If you have a lot of money, but you never, you kids don't even know you, what you, yeah, that's for, yeah, 
for me more important. Now, for sure, family family first is definitely a, a theme of this podcast as well. So we're on the um, we're on the same page. And the 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 closing question, Demi, we ask all our guests is, as you know, the title of the podcast is "Can I Get a Picture?" And our question is. Who is the one person that inspires you that you'd love to have your picture taken with and why? Um, I think now the one who inspired me the most is also because of his history is Elon Musk because he thinks different and I like that. He just do it. I say he don't give a shit about someone else's thing, but he just do it. And I think I, yeah, that's what I really like. There are not really a lot of entrepreneurs that do the same like I do what I think, but Elon Musk is something that really thinks out of the box. And I think Virgil Abloh is also someone who really thinks out of the box. And I, th- that's what I really like. Yeah, it's hard because you get a lot of people thinking, what the fuck is he doing? But if you get really like podcast or interview, you really know the idea behind it or why he do the things because he do. Like, for example, if, you have, if, you, if people listen now to my podcast, they will think, oh, that's why Baller started like that. And then you know more about the person, about his, uh, yeah, pronounce his fallacy of the brand. And I think that's really, yeah, really important. Just to have your own, own vision of, of business. And it's hard because it's really easy to do the same every, everyone is doing. But if you do something different, you also, people will be the first to recognize, hey, this guy do something really, really different, really nice. And they start to copy you. But yeah, that's like. <laughs> Thanks again to Demi for taking the time to chat with me and thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Can I Get a Picture Pod and we'll be back again next week for another episode. <laughs>